0: It is uh, good to be with you on uh, this day together. Um, So many things going on in our church family, and even as I was just looking around and I see Garrett over here, uh, Garrett and Katie just had twins, and uh, it's been a long haul for them, and uh, it's okay that you're here, they're in NICU, is that okay? All right, yeah, okay. How sweet, be praying for them, it's been a long, long... Journey for them. Pastor Chris and Jen had their baby, and uh, just cool. And it's just good to be with you. It really is. And um, kind of I start off that way, uh, just because that's not in my notes, but part of it is. Uh, we had committed last Sunday that we would come uh, in these Sundays here, especially in this series, and we would just kind of come and sit and together uh, see the Lord and. Um, to kind of uh, see him afresh and anew, and even what 's going on in our lives, whether that 's having a child, whether that 's whatever 's going on, and uh, uh, not just to see him big, but we had talked about to see him big big gur, if you weren 't here last Sunday, to see him big gur um, wherever you are at in your understanding of who the Lord is and what walking with the Lord looks like um, We're taking these months to see Him bigger, and uh, we're going to be doing that. Well, I actually wanted to have us begin by reading some more Scripture together. Um, I loved it when uh, Nick was reading that Scripture up on the screen. I love that. And I'm going to ask that you would read some Scripture. We're going to go line by line here. I'm going to put up Isaiah 43 here. Uh, up on the side screens here just line by line with that so if we could get that up um, for us this first line that would be great for us and I'd like for you to read as though you're reading to one another if you want to think about it read to me but we're reading to one another let's just go line by line this is Isaiah 43 read the first line here you go ready fear by the way note That's past tense. If you know Christ is your Savior, uh, uh, the Scripture says that He is not going to redeem you, but it says that He has redeemed you. If you are in Christ, you have been redeemed. Next line. Read that. I. By the way, that's present tense he has redeemed you. And how cool is this? This is not me saying this. This is not you saying this. This is God saying this. And he's saying, and you are mine. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Oh, it gets better. Next line. Start that. Go. Oh, you see, not only in Christ have you been redeemed, and not only is it that you are his, and he, then he's far off. No, 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 no. He is with you. That's cool. That's a theological term, by the way. Cool. Let's go to the next. It's kind of a little bit more here to read. Read this on through. is your God, not some God. He is not some Savior. In Christ, He is your Savior. Next line. That's present. You know, the, the, the part that blows me away the most, I mean, the I love you thing is pretty cool. But the part that blows me away the most is that the Lord says, you are honored. What? How is that? When we are totally depraved, and yet he has redeemed us. And yet in his eyes, there is this sense of, you are mine, and you are honored. So cool. Last line. I don't know what's going on in your life right now, but I do know this. Those first five verses of Isaiah 43 changes everything. Changes everything. Well, let's relish in those words. Have you noticed that we live in an accomplishment-driven world? We live in a world where it's about attain go get it. You don't have it. Go get it. I might call it this way. It's an Ecclesiastes world. Uh, I love the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, um, The book of Ecclesiastes is about Solomon, like a studly man-dude guy. And he's writing, and it's kind of telling about it. It's funky, I will tell you that. But it's like he's on this journey. And it's like he begins this journey, and he's like, hey, like, I want to find out what life is really all about. I want to find the happiness. I want to find the, the golden uh, bowl at the end of the rainbow of life. And so it's, it's kind of talking about his journey with that. So he's like, you know, so, 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 so I'm going to go, and I'm going like to build things, because that's what men do. We build things. And, and so he goes, and he builds it. And then it's like, you know what? That, that's not doing it. So I'm going to go after like the really be smart thing. Uh, how about that? And, and and so he went after that, and that, that didn't quite fill the hole. And then, and then he's like, you know what, I'm going to live out as a tycoon magnate. You know, I'm going to, as the richest man in the world, you know, I want to be that kind of thing, because that's got to bring it all, and and, and and that didn't quite do it, do it for him either. And, and then he's like, you know what, the tycoon magnet thing didn't work, so I'm going to try being the chick magnet thing. Try that deal, uh, because that's got to be like really cool, and you know, have a thousand wives, and uh, and all that, and, and that didn't that 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 didn't work. Um, so he's like, I'm gonna be the king emperor thing, because I mean, man, I If you were like over the universe at the time, that's got to be the thing. And yeah, that didn't quite do it for him either. In fact, Solomon finishes the book of Ecclesiastes and he uses the term in it, kind of this summary conclusion. He talks about, it's all vanity. It's chasing after the wind. Question. In an achievement-driven, attainment-driven world, because we are so like Solomon. Question. Just even this last week, honestly, what have you been chasing after? Not if, but what. What has been that thing out front that you're chasing after? What is it that you don't have that you yearn to go get? Last Sunday, we took a look in Ephesians, and... um. When he is bigger than my mission. And, and God's word throws all that topsy turvy. And, and we saw some of that. In fact, uh, uh, remember what he said in Ephesians 1 and 2. Remember, remember what it said? It said what? Yeah, you remember. <laughs> just keep looking at the screens. You, you have been blessed. If you know Christ as your Savior, not not just know about, not just I've gone to church, not just, you know, like I believe there's a God kind of thing, but the Scripture says as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God. There comes a time when you realize that you're a sinner separated from, from God. As the scripture says, all start in that condition because of sin. And come to that point where it's like, listen, listen, I, 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 I need Christ. I, I want Christ. I, I receive Christ and driven that stake in the ground and receive Him as your Savior and, and pursuing after Him. Uh, know this at that moment, you have been blessed. Everything's different. You don't have to go chasing anymore. You have. Have what? Remember the list of things? Yeah, yeah, you remember those. So uh, just say them out. Just pick one, start somewhere, and just say them all until they're all done. Go. (laughs) Isn't that encouraging? Um, it is. Hey, in Christ, you're not pursuing after those. The Scriptures say you have those. Well, well, um, there's a call from that. Uh, Ephesians four one speaks of that call. In light of having that, do what? Walk. Walk oh what does that mean? Well, walk how? Well, then then that's listed out here. Read those out uh, for me here. What are they? That, that's it, Doug. Yeah, that's it. but but, but, no, no, that's it. By the way, the next thing it talks about is the seven ones, you know, one body, one faith, one Lord, one, one all these ones, because the, the Lord loves unity. He loves oneness. He, he loves progressing ahead in, in, in a unified, together kind of manner. And, and, and then you ask the question, well, 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 how do we do that, and for what purpose do we do that? So why don't you just read those out to remind ourselves of what, read those out. To equip the saints. To equip the saints. By the way, that even means things, and this isn't intended as a promo, this is intended kind of as an example, but if you want to take it that way, fine. Um, we have a parenting conference coming up. By the way, you, if we're thinking this way, this isn't just for parents. You see, because what we're doing is we're doing this to equip the saints. Oh, we're not just doing this to equip the saints with kids. It's about equipping the saints to do the work of ministry together. So can I just even say, just as a topsy-turvy thought on all this, maybe you don't even have kids. But maybe you come anyway for the purpose of being equipped to help one another in the reality of that. Listen, I want to tell you, when we, when we turn our thinking into that kind of way, can, can, I think you can begin to see this all of a sudden be, makes God's people like unlike any other people because any other people are just about themselves people. And now we become about him people and one another people and equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry in all that. Listen, I want to tell you, it's really simple. You have been blessed and you are called to walk like that for his glory, not just for you, but for one another as well. That's it. And in a world that is going to get, know this, you have. Now go. You go having. It's a whole different reality in life. Don't be a go to get, because if you are in Christ, you already have. Just go in it. Now, Doug, that's like maybe cute talk, but what does that look like? That's what this whole series is about. We're diving into that. What does it look like? What does it look like to really walk with the Lord? Uh, By the way, when it says you walk, it's kind of like that just, when you put that up on the screen, Doug, actually, that sounds kind of boring. I mean, like, that's it, because after all, I want to do big things for God, because God has done big things for me, and, and, and by the way, there, there's something in us that's just wanting to be able to show that we can do something big for him, but, but uh, kind of it's like this, like, I want to do big things for the Lord, maybe like, like, like Abraham did, like Joseph did, you know, like David did, big things for the Lord, kind of like Noah did, big things for the, okay, let's pause. Because in this series, I want to go to the life of Noah, and let's take a look. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 6, and here's what's going on today this simple. When you think of the life of Noah, you think of gargantuan boat and cool, cute little animals coming together, holding hands all lined up like they show in the baby you know, walls and books. And and you think this is just awesome! But what I never, almost never hear talked about with Noah is one statement in Scripture that really sums up Noah. And it's this. We're going to see in just a moment. It says this. Noah Walked with God. Oh, 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 wait. Before the whole arky arky thing came along. By the way, if you're younger, you don't know what the arky arky thing, that's a song. Remember that? That's older people. Is that a younger? Okay, I'm aging myself. Okay, let's go to Genesis 6 here. Let's take a look here at Noah and understand what's going on. friends, the Lord glories In us just being people that walk, walk having. Too much Christianity is lining itself up with how the world thinks today. Just walk in Him, okay? Hey, Lord, I pray that you would help us to grab a hold here and you would see even someone like Noah, maybe afresh, help us to... uh, be encouraged in this um, Lord, Lord we are just pounded with everything around us to show your to show ourselves big to make a mark to have a legacy um, help us learn what you want not what we want. So show us from Noah, we pray, Lord. In your name, amen. Here we go. Genesis chapter 6. We're in, uh, take a look at verse 3, and uh, let me read it out for us here. Verse 3. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh, and his days shall be how long? 120 years. Now, understand, 120 years, he is not saying that man will only have a length of life from here on out for 120 years. That's not what's being said here. Uh, By the way, there have been people who have lived since this time. In fact, you go post the flood, you find people live a long time, but even since lives have shortened down, you still find that people have lived over 120 years. It's not talking about that. What's it talking about? It's talking about God is saying that in 120 years from now, I'm going to do a judgment work. In 120 years from now, something is going to take place with this. And and you may be saying, well, that that doesn't sound nice. Listen, listen, hear me. This is key. That is a grace statement. That is a grace statement. Because God could have done it right then. But in it, God says, no, uh, 120 years from now. Why, did he, why not 100? I, I don't know. Because God is God and we'll let him be God. But do know this. He didn't just say, I'm fed up with this. I'm done with this. And whammo, it all comes. God says in 120. By the way, I remember from scripture, God says he wishes that none would perish. He is about to give people 120 years of time to be able to turn to him. That's what this is ultimately about. It's a grace statement of 120 years. By the way, John Calvin said, mankind's dullness is such that unless they are struck forcefully, they have no sense of divine judgment. And I would say this, this is is a forceful statement in what it means, but at the same time, this is a grace statement. And God in His patience and His long-suffering does have a time when he says enough is enough. And so God has said at this time in history that 120 years from now, I am going to do something with this. Let's go to verse five, read five through seven. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And that's like Romans three right there. Verse 6, and the Lord regretted that he had made man on earth. Listen, the Lord's not looking back and he's not going, oh, made a mistake there. I should have known what was coming ahead. Listen, the Lord does not have that issue. Okay, what he is doing here is he's terming things so that we can understand how he thinks. Have you ever talked to a little child, and you talk to them, and it's like you got to put it in their, their language, in their understanding. You don't talk to a child like you're talking to an adult. You talk in that kind of way. And here God, in His grace, is telling what's going on and how He's seeing things in words that we can understand. The Lord regretted that He had made man on earth, and it grieved Him to His heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals, creeping things, and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. Wow. A couple things here. The Lord saw. The Lord saw, and by the way, the terminology is just stacking up, stacking up, stacking up. The, world saw a, the Lord saw a totally depraved world. By the way, we live in a totally depraved world. You see all the stuff going on, especially today and remembering what happened on 9-11? What a mess of a world we live in, folks. And know this, the Lord sees it. Know this, the Lord sees it. He, he, He sees it. And by the way, He sees what's going on in your life. He sees That should be an encouragement and a hopeful statement. The Lord is not off on a rocking chair in a cabin up in heaven, rocking back and forth, drool coming down the side half asleep. He knows. He knows. He sees. You saw verse 7, it says, The Lord said, I will blot out man. It's really an interesting word usage here. The word that's used here, it means to expunge. The word was actually used back in the day to refer to when they would write on a, 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 a writing plate and they, they would wipe it off. Think of a chalkboard. They would write on a chalkboard, but back in the day, literally, they would use water to wash it. Isn't that interesting? The Lord says, I am going to wipe out, blot out mankind, just like when writing on a board and then you take water and just wash it out. (laughs) It's cool terminology. Hey friends, Noah's day was a crash course headed to total destruction, total self-annihilation. And here's the part that you need to understand. It was a world that was totally depraved, just like our world, on a crash course to total destruction and total self-annihilation. And the only reason it doesn't completely implode and self-annihilate is because of God's general grace keeping it from self-imploding. That's the fact of the matter. The only reason this is not utter hell on earth everywhere is because God's grace is holding back man's capacity for total destruction. And yet one day he will release. He will release and we will get just what we want. Verse 8. Look at this. In that world, with that going on, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. I need to make some comments on this because when you and I read that, we have this tendency of being achievement-driven, attaining-driven people. We have this tendency to think that Noah earned God's favor. That's not what it's saying. First, it says, he found favor the word for favor that's used there, in fact, I think if you go to the New King James Version, the word for favor there is grace. That's what it's talking about. It's not saying that Noah was so spiritual and so self righteous in himself that he earned God's favor. It's not saying that. Say not. Not saying that. It's talking about the concept of biblical grace. Noah found grace. By the way, here in the found part of it, it's not like he had it and then he lost it and now he's discovering it again. No, no, no. Noah found grace. That's Ephesians. True? For by grace you have been saved through faith and this not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. And here it's the same thing for Noah. This is an Ephesians kind of a statement here. This is, but Noah found grace, by the way, not in his eyes, in the eyes of the Lord. Listen, the one who's over this is like, Noah, I am going to grace gift you. I now find you favored in my eyes, not because of who you are, but because of the grace that I have put before you, I now see you as graced. <laughs> That's salvation. That's salvation. That's the reality of salvation. This is such a cool statement. Don't think that Noah was this guy that was totally awesome in himself and earned God's favor because when we go there, we're going wrong places. Noah was graced by God. Verse 9 These are the generations of Noah, I'm referring back to chapter 5. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Was dug, dug there, there, there it's saying that Noah, no, Noah CC, Noah earned it. No, that's not, because in Ephesians we come to the understanding that, listen, even any righteous deeds, any, any good deeds, even those are from the Lord. Noah is this guy who, look at the last statement of verse 9. Circle this, underline it, highlight it. I have it highlighted and a red box around it. Noah walked with God. That does not mean Noah was perfect. That did not mean that Noah was sinless in himself. It doesn't mean that he was some superstar, spiritual, crazy over the top, he had things we didn't have kind of stuff. No, no, no. Noah was grace blessed, and Noah walked with God. Oh, by the way, in Christ, you have been blessed, therefore walk, just like Noah, just like Noah. And Noah walked with God, verse 10, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Curly, okay? And and, and by the way, uh, I think it's fitting to go over to verse 32, chapter 5, after Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Curly. By the way, if you go in chapter 5 and people are 777 years old, 595 years old, 782 years old, 187 years old. Boy, how how can this be, Doug? This can't be the way it is. Those have got to be symbolic. Um, No, maybe they're just for real. Listen, don't have time to go there. Oh, I so want to. Noah walked with God. And so he's like 520 years old got these three boys, wife, Noah walked with God for 500 years. No arky arky. You know what? It's so interesting in the text I pause here because it's like, so it doesn't even tell us anything about how he proved that out. Like Noah planted tons of churches. Noah had a huge mega church. No, 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 none of that. It's just saying this: Noah lived in a very, very corrupt world. And Noah, after five lifetimes for you and me, what would be the four words that would sum him up? He built big things? No. He was a chick mag? No. He was super smart? No. It was this. He walked with God. That's it. But what did he achieve? What did he attain for God? What did he accumulate for God? Here's what he accumulated for God. 500 years of walking with the Lord. That's it. And the Lord loved it. The Lord gloried in it. And it wasn't because Noah himself was a superstar. It was because God had blessed him and Noah walked out of the blessing in a way that honored the Lord. That's it. 520 years. Totally depraved world. Blessed walking. Has a family with three boys. Nothing else. That's it. No big glitz, no big glam, no big bling. He just walked with God. As I say that, are you bored with that idea? Might you look at that and just go, nah, doesn't sound too attractive or too cool." Hey friends. The Lord simply wants you chasing after him. That's it. That's it. But he built a crazy, huge ark. Sure did let's take a look at it. Verse 9, verse 11, I'm sorry. Here's the story. Now, the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, and all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. Do you really feel like we're trying to get the point across here in the text that it's like it was a really bad time? And are you reading this and feeling like, wow, I can totally relate to a world like that? Because you should be because that's what's going on today. Verse 13, and God said to Noah, by the way, did Noah know that 120 years were what God had said? I'm not sure. He may have no idea about that. Anyway, what we do know is this, God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Do you see that? That little statement is a big deal. I am going to destroy them with the earth. In other words, hey, the thing that you love so much, world, the thing that is your idol, the thing you crave glory from, you know what? I am going to use what you see as in place of me, and I am going to use that to destroy you. Oh, there's a whole lesson in that. God allows our false idols to destroy us that we would come to see him. Uh, verse 14, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. <laughs> okay. Picture this. Noah's doing what? Walking with God for how many years? For like 500. And so he's walking with God, walking with God, walking with him, And somehow in this, all of a sudden, God speaks. I really wish I could hear what God sounds like, don't you? Oh, it's got to be really cool. And, and, God's, and God talks to him. And by the way, there was no rain in the day. I don't know if you know that. But anyway, that doesn't matter with this. So God says to him, hey, Noah, I'm going to, like, destroy everything. I want you to build a boat. What? This sounds asinine. But for someone who's walking with the Lord for year after year after year after year, after year after century after century after century, for someone who's been walking with the Lord, you know that walking with the Lord is sometimes quite odd from the norm. Right? And so here God shows up and he says, Noah, build an arky." Keep reading. Like what kind? Like make rooms in the ark, cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. Here's the blueprint. The length of the ark is three hundred cubits. Its breadth fifty cubits. Its height thirty cubits. Make a roof for the ark. Finish it with a cu- finish it to a cubit above, and set the door of the ark uh, in its side. Make it with lower second and third decks. For behold. Uh, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die, but, but, but I, I will establish my covenant with you. That's really cool. And you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. What is this saying? Noah has been told at the beginning of the game who are the only ones that are going to go into the ark. I don't know if you've thought that through before, he knew in the beginning the only ones that would enter the ark, and yet we are about to enter a hundred plus years of time of him doing and proclaiming with zero fruit outside of his family. Can you imagine being given that task to build this gargantuan thing? And then know that there is going to be no fruit outside of your family? Now be faithful and walk in that. Would I? Would you? Or do we have to have some bling to keep us attracted? Is God himself not enough? Or do we have to have God's bling left along the path that we kept keep picking it up so that we keep motivated like a carrot in front of our nose? Or is God not big enough to be that giant carrot and all we need? And of every living thing, verse 19, and of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort of the ark to them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds and of the animals according to their kinds. And of the animals, according to their kinds, of every deep creeping thing of the ground, according to its kind, two of every sort shall come in. You keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and stored up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Doug, do you really believe all this happened? Yes, I do. I just want you to know that. This is not a story. This is not an allegory. I really do. I'd love to spend some time, but it's off off track on it. By the way, can I just note this? Um, It's really interesting. Uh, Last year was just randomly watching a History Channel show, and they were talking about uh, five of the most devastating things that could happen to the earth, and they were talking with PhD. This had nothing to do with biblical accounts. They were talking about how the earth could be destroyed, and one of the ways that they said the earth could be destroyed is if it was completely flooded. They were making no reference to Noah, and one of the PhD guys on there, not a believer as far as I know, but just a PhD geologist got on there, and he said, if the earth ever flood, flooded in such a kind of way, all carbon dating would be useless. Do you know that? Do you know that? Because of the pressures caused by that would change chemistry and whack it out. And yet, why are we so often in a place where it's like, this is baloney? Well, because carbon dating said it was by a certain date. Okay, I'm not going there any further than that. Let's talk about this for a second here because that isn't my objective. The size of this thing, size of this ark, it's 500 feet by 75 feet. Basically, it's one and a half football fields in size. It's 50 foot tall. That's more than a four-story building. Construction material, gopher wood. Assume that each timber from a gopher wood tree would be one foot, 12 inches by 12 inches by 25 feet what would it take for a guy to do this? Well, if you assumed 12 inch by 12 inch by 25 foot board per tree, the perimeter row would require 45 trees laid end to end. That doesn't sound all that hard. But but let's add on here. The height would require 50 rows stacked 50 feet. It'd be 2,250 trees. Each floor filling that in this beast of a... Boat uh, is 1,500 trees per floor. Include the roof at 7,500 trees. By the way, I have a question right now. Why didn't God just drop a boat? Why didn't God just drop this blasted boat? Could he have? Could have. Like he created everything else. I think this would have been an easy one. Because of his grace over time, and because he loves it when his people walk with him. So the perimeter in the five floors total would be 9,750 trees. Let's go round numbers, 10,000 trees, because you probably had a few dud trees in there somewhere. Construct, construction zone, the space. How could you do this in this space? Well, actually, if you think about it, an acreage necessary to produce a harvest of trees for construction, you could actually do this in about 250 acres. Why do I say that? Because you could technically, by the diameter of a gopher tree, you could pretty much grow 31 gopher trees per acre. A gopher tree to full maturity would take about 40 years. If you That means that you could harvest down some acres and start some trees, and come back in 40 years, and then harvest those down. Now, does that start giving you an idea of the monotony and the length of this thing? You could chop trees down, plant some more, come back in 40 years, and the place that you just harvested is now regrown back. Lord, what am I doing with my life? Construction time, assume 300 work days. Got to have some time off. Times I'm just grabbing at 120 years. It's 36,000 daily grind work days. If you go 36,000, divide it by 10,000 trees, that's 3.6 trees per day. That sounds about right. Can you imagine back in the day, you pull out the chainsaw. Nope, you didn't have that. Pull out the axe, and I'll bet that was sharp. And you cut the tree down, timber, and then you clean it, and then you get Mrs. Noah and you haul it. <laughs> and, uh, but you have kids, and it very well could be. As time went on, he brought some of the people in the community to help with it, as uh, with that. But uh, you know what? Back in that day, cutting a tree down, shaping it. Can you imagine shaping a tree to fit next to a tree and on top of a tree, inside to a tree? Can you imagine shaping that? If you do any woodwork with that, oh my word. And by the way, you don't have a a table saw, you don't have a chainsaw, you don't have a caterpillar. I mean like a John Deere caterpillar. And then you're building it all by hand. Three and a half days per tree sounds like, kind of makes sense. So after 25 years, you have the base and the wall up to the first floor. So the bottom, and just that you don't even have the next floor. After 25 years, hey, what are you doing this week? Hey, what are you doing next week? What are you doing next month? What are you doing next year? What are you doing in 10 years from now? What are you doing in 25 years? In 25 years from now, you've got just the bottom and the sides going up to the first floor. Uh, what are you going to do for the next 25 years? Uh, the next floor in the wall for that. How about the next 25? Ditto. Next Ditto. Then let's cap it off. And know this, friends, the Lord gloried in every day, every tree, every cut, every hall, every placement, every moment, and the Lord gloried in someone that walked with Him even as boring as it is day in and day out and day in and day out and day in and day out. It's 120 years of faithful daily grind. And by the way, without being able to go into the time of it and minimal fruit except for your family. Scriptures tell that Noah proclaimed the Lord during this time. No fruit. I'll just say for me, I, I, I imagine being a pastor and for a hundred years and no fruit. At what year would I give up? And notice how Noah responded to the request. Verse 22 at the very end of chapter 6. Noah did this. And he did it. He did all that God commanded him. Why? Because Noah was already a man for hundreds of years who walked with the Lord. And now it's like, okay, walk with the Lord with no trees, no boat. Walk with the Lord cutting trees, building a boat. It doesn't matter. It's about walking with the Lord. It's not about the bling, it's about Him. It's not chasing after something great for the Lord. It's about chasing after the Lord. And when that gets cockeyed, when that gets twisted, when that gets manipulated to where we're not chasing after the Lord, we're just interested in Him because He'll get me to heaven. We're just interested in Him because He'll just remove my guilt. We're just interested in Him because I don't know what else to be interested in. Be interested in Him. Chase after Him. And if it's to the place where it's like, I don't see how exciting he is. Oh, it's time to know your God and begin reveling in him. Not just big, but big. (breath) Absolutely. And Noah was this. And by the way, Noah wasn't like, you know what? I'll see if I can fit that into my schedule. He wasn't like, that sounds fun. He wasn't like, are you kidding me? Do you have any idea the implications of this on my career? Do you have any idea the implications of this on what people are going to think of me? God, do you have any idea the implications of this on my wife? Bless her heart. This is not my gift set, Lord. I don't have the gift of wood. I don't have the gift of boats. I don't have that gift, Lord, but I'll go to a a meeting and I'll find out what my gift set is, and then I'll come back and I'll let you know if it fits. And then I'll do what fits my gift set. But that is how we think. Noah did this. He did all that the Lord commanded him to do. Why? Why? Because Noah was all about chasing after the Lord. Whatever the bling that comes with it, whatever the glitz that comes with it, whatever the glam that comes with it, it wasn't about that. It was about the Lord. He'll take care of that. And if it means none for my entire life other than just faithful, daily, grind, walking for his glory, praise the Lord. But but, 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 understand this, the more you see who the Lord is, the more the fervor gets, and you can't ease out. See, so often, uh, people in my role, we, we get afraid of saying, just rest in the Lord, just, just, just walk in the Lord, and we get afraid of saying that, because even though it's biblical, it, it, we are afraid of saying that, because then we're going to think, well, people are just going to go like, oh, Awesome. I'm just going to kick back and couch potato it for, no, 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 because biblically, when you begin walking with the Lord, and you see him, here's what happens, it's like the Lord is bigger, the Lord is greater, the Lord is grander. And, and whatever it has, the, the, the Lord is there. And so the, the, the Lord talks about how important it is to, to, to be one with, with, with the local body of people. And so I'm putting myself into that because that's what the Lord wants. And, and I'm seeking after him. It's not about, uh, hey, hey, rest in who the Lord is. Chase after him hard, fast, full out. And by the way, you know what? The nine to five then has meaning. Because it's for His glory. Changing diapers then has meaning. Grocery shopping, fixing the car, eating, paying bills, entertainment, exercising, looking for a job, playing Pokemon Go, going on vacation mowing the lawn, your career, it all has meaning. Because in all of it, walk with the Lord. Seek Him out. Cutting down trees has meaning. Hauling trees has meaning. Placing trees has meaning. Building a boat now has meaning. Because it's not even so much about the boat, it's about the God of the boat. And what we do, I I suggest what we do here is we place our mode of acceptance like performance-based love. I will love you if. We take how we do in this world uh, acceptance and we put that in the Lord's head in our eyes. And we think he only accepts us if I perform. And we take our desire for personal achievement and our desire for grace, for greatness, and we place those on the Lord as though he expects that. Hey, friends, let me encourage you and relieve you from this. The Lord doesn't, ex- doesn't expect greatness from you. He just wants you. Chill it. And when we see that, it's like, I want to know the Lord. I'm going to be in this. Because he is what it is about. And not building my things so that he loves me more. Oh, God, spare us from ourselves. We make God who we are. And let's stop it. And let's let God be who he is. And we follow in that. And know this, you have been blessed in Christ, therefore walk. Know this, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burnt. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You are precious in my eyes. I love you. Fear not. For I am with you. Could you imagine what life would look like if we went out of here with that on the front of our eyeballs? And that's what we have. And that's what Noah knew. And he did it. He walked with the Lord. Not he achieved it, he relished in it. Noah, graced by God, Walked with God, chopping trees, hauling trees, placing trees for a lifetime. And friends, Scripture just screams to us, stop chasing the false bling. It never satisfies never satisfies. Chase Him. Chase Him. That's it. I'm laying this out for us today, these two Sundays on purpose. Because for the coming weeks, you, I trust, are going to see that as we go and we see how to put how to live these things out in various areas of life how to make him bigger than in whatever comes along it's knowing this friends we go knowing this and part of what's so important is the little daily grind things they matter when he is bigger In it all, they matter. Lord, I just pray you would help us. Um. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be hearts that are chasing after you hearts. And our lives would be walking in that. Lord, I think the natural question that just happens to come up right now at this stage of the game is, so what does that look like? Well, I actually think it begins looking like understanding what we have in you and the call to walk. And then it begins by understanding what it looked like for one guy in redemptive history that walked faithfully with you, not not just building a boat and something big. But who walked faithfully in you for centuries? What we said last week about go having, we see in Noah. Noah walked with you. That's it, those are the words we want, that's the objective. God, as we continue in this series to flesh out what that looks like in various kinds of ways and situations of life, when it all comes back to it, it's all about this. We go having. We walk with you. God, if we've been chasing after other shiny things of life, I pray you would help us. Would you just kind of grab a hold of our hearts, grab a hold of our heads, and, and help us just to look at you more? Father, maybe there's someone in this room who doesn't have a relationship with you, doesn't know you as their Savior, doesn't understand what the meaning of the cross and the resurrection has to do with the victory over sin that's available to them. God, I pray that they would seek that out. Talk with someone. Come talk. Because there is a shiny object to chase after, and it is you. And you are brighter than the sun, bigger than the universe, more amazing than we can fathom. There is no bling bigger than you. Help us to run there. In Christ's name, amen.